So welcome to the show. I'm David Speed. I'm Adam Brazier. And this is Creative Rebels. Uh, it's a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. We started our first company, Graffiti Life, in a small garage. Yeah, it wasn't easy. But we built the company up to the stage where now we're regularly working with brands like Disney and Nike. And we've been lucky enough to make art all over the world. On this podcast, we interview successful creators. Their advice will enable you to take action and turn your passion into a career. There's literally been no better time in history to make a career from being creative. So many people are going to tell you that you can't do it, but we're here to tell you that you definitely can. Right, let's do a podcast. Welcome back, Rebels. Hello, you bloody rebellious lot. <laughs> How's your week been? Yeah, all right, mate. I don't know, nothing majorly exciting or anything like that. Just like, just work, really. Yeah, I think, yeah, my week's been the same. When I got home yesterday, my girlfriend was like, oh, so what have you done today? I was like, um kind of nothing but kind of loads like I think as soon as it's not something that's particularly exciting and you've just been like I spent the whole of yesterday just going through excel spreadsheets just looking for people to find and research and stuff yeah I've been doing a lot of that that sort of stuff just the 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 tedium I suppose um so like yeah I've had a good week but like just I don't know, just, yeah. just hasn't, work. It hasn't been a bad week. It's yeah. just... Yeah, I suppose people don't really talk about that side as well. Like, uh, most people would just come on and go, oh, yeah, everything's amazing, it's brilliant. But the the kind of reality of, of the stuff that you do, you have to grind away at sometimes and, yeah. and that's just like hard and it's boring and it's not particularly glamorous but that's yeah. it's part and parcel it's definitely been one of those weeks where time flies quite quickly because you've just got your you're fully like deep work fully like into something just just churning through it just like yeah. are you do you i should know this about you but i don't do you get really turned on when you like have have like a list and you tick things off your list is that yeah i do i love it i love a tick um it's kind of I don't always make lists I kind of generally know in my mind what I'm doing but if there's something I'm like okay well I've got shitloads to do and it's all quite small things like I think lists are good when you've got lots of small tasks but as soon as I've got like one task to do for the day I'd like sometimes I'll go through and make a list if I'm just like if it's uh, if it's really really boring I'll make a list because then that at least gives you some kind of enjoyment from it right so like yesterday I was like sending out lots of emails and kind of every time I'd done like five I'd like be like yeah cool cool cool, well done and then I'd check my scent folder and just be like okay well oh, I'm on like 12 at the moment so three more and I can give myself like a little another little win so yeah I don't necessarily always make like physical lists but I do try and make tedious things into games right I'm really bad at it. I, I know people advise that lists are really important I just can't can't get my head around it. I I forget to check the list or I just don't write it and I keep yeah. everything in my head. But I will tell you what has been really amazing this week is like, it just seems that our feedback, like podcast feedback has just been going through the roof. Yeah, um, people loved last week's episode. Like yeah. absolutely loved it, which is great because we really enjoyed recording it. Yep, old uh, lovely Hannah Pixie. Yep. What, what a legend. Um, yeah, so yeah, go and tell her if you really enjoyed the episode, go and tell her that you loved it. And uh, thanks to everyone who's like got in touch with us and said how amazing it was and how awesome she is. Um, just, yeah, a real positive force for good in this world which is absolutely more of i think it's great as well this week how many people have posted on their stories about listening to the episode like it's probably a record week in terms of people sharing it on their stories it's been mental yeah and and it's not just been hannah's episode as well i've noticed a lot of um older episodes have been posted as well and, yeah. and um just thank you to you guys if if we've inspired you enough for you to post about it that that helps us grow and it shows us that that we're doing the right thing so thank you did you see that we made someone almost crash their car this week yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah john morse there we go got it again um yeah yeah we love hearing from you guys um one of the questions that was uh was sent into us this week was talking about digital marketing for creatives the do's and don'ts um so we've we've we had a little brainstorm before yeah. the uh that's very organized of us yeah, normally we, we just yeah normally we just like fire it out but yeah we've arranged it a little bit better this time we actually had a, a sit and a think about what we were going to talk about so for the first time ever so uh so adam what are our uh what should we start with the do's or the don'ts um should we do two do's and don'ts and then go back to a do so it's no, like that's so fucking confusing <laughs> let's let's start with the don'ts um and then we'll end on a positive note of the do's okay cool cool so the first don't when it comes to digital marketing is don't post for the likes 
I think a lot of people make this mistake when they first get started on social media, especially where they'll post things that they know will get likes that's not linked to their content at all. So they'll see a funny meme somewhere, they'll post that just because they know, oh, if I post something funny that I've found somewhere else, I'll get more likes on it than if I post whatever my business is. And that's like, it's so, such a bad way to go. When starting anything, you need to keep posting your own content about what you're doing or something around what you're doing. Don't just think like, well, if I get nine likes on a picture of my product, but I get 20 likes on a picture of this meme that's gone viral on the internet somewhere, that that's going to be good for your account because it won't. Like people won't follow you People like if you've got a business selling chairs and you put up a, just a random meme, like people aren't following you for that. They want to see the chairs if they do want to see you. And what if like, it's a chair meme? Then go for it. Yeah, I feel like if it's really relevant to what you do, if it's literally a meme about chairs and you sell chairs, completely fine. Um, but as long as your audience get it, I think a lot of people who have businesses forget that they know so much more about a certain product than like their consumers do. Yeah. So if there's like a real inside joke within the chair community that you posted something. So if you put like a five-legged chair up and it's been oh, hilarious, it's been going viral in the chair forums recently, um, don't do that because like your audience aren't going to understand it unless your audience are the chair people. It comes back to that thing we've talked about before of, of knowing the voice that your brand has yeah, um, and speaking, always consistently speaking with that. So if a, if a meme fits with your brand persona, then post that. But it's it, what we're saying not to do is just to go all over the map with... Um, today I'm posting a video to camera of me um, telling you about our latest products and then tomorrow I'm posting a picture of my cat and it's it's just not relevant yeah because people go to the accounts that they that they care about mm-hmm. because that delivers to them what they want what yeah. they want to see you need to show your audience what to expect when yeah. they when they follow you and I think also like back to what I was saying before like know who you're talking to it's like you'll talk to your parents differently when you talk to your mates differently to how you talk to a kid like think about who your audience is and how your voice to that person is going to be yeah definitely and the fact that instagram is probably getting rid of likes um that'll be interesting to see because when when people are no longer posting for that metric then we'll we'll see what what changes Uh, what's your next don't the next thing is don't try and do everything i think a lot of people I i think there's a lot of advice out there from people who've got huge companies that have infinite resources at their hands who would just be like yeah go and do this you see these you see big agencies as in posting on on every platform you mean yeah like posting on every single social media platform going i think as it depends on the size of your business if you're nike then obviously you've got a massive team of people who can put the time in to do each platform well whereas if you're mikey mikey yeah uh, mikey in your bedroom it's just you or it's just you and a couple of other people you don't have the time to do every single platform well like you might be able to put one piece of content on each in a week but you need that level of consistency there to a degree yeah one thing that helps with that is um we've talked about it before is batching content yeah is preparing your posts in advance and I think as well, just getting into the habit. So I've got into the habit of on the Graffiti Life account, when I'm painting a wall, if I'm somewhere where I can do so, I'll pop my phone on the tripod and I'll go live on Instagram for an hour. I will forget a lot in the past and I'd be like, I've finished the painting, I'd be like, should have gone live. And I know Gary Vee talks a lot about document, don't create. Mm -hmm. And that's such a great way of, of doing, like if you just post what's happening at that time, then you don't have to worry about actually creating new content. You're just documenting, which is a good use of time. So what I would say is when you first get started, work out where your audience is. Like if you sell things that are aimed to business people, go on LinkedIn and start connecting with people on there. If you're selling to younger people, maybe Snapchat or TikTok might be better for you. Like it's working out where your audience are and then putting all of your effort into those places. And our final don't, I'd say would be don't pay for ads unless you understand how ads work. I think a lot of people, when they're starting a business, will just think ads are the solution because they'll see them pop up. Like, And when you're on any social media, if you've got a business account, it'll constantly kind of push you into promoting a post. And you sometimes you think, oh, well, yeah, okay, well, that's going to grow my audience. But if you don't know how ads work, if you haven't looked into it, you don't know the best way to target on it, then you're probably just wasting your money. I'd say... If you're going to post ads, like people make a shit ton of money from ads, but you need to know how to do it properly. For example, 
on Instagram and Facebook, don't ever do it through the app because you've got such limited actual tools at your availability. If you go to business.facebook.com, you can promote to each of those platforms like well and have full targeting. But like, again, don't just do that because I've told you to do it. Go and research the best way to do an ad. Like there's so much advice on like online. There's lots of blogs, like YouTube's great for this kind of content. Yeah, so the advice is definitely not don't do ads. Yeah. It's if you are going to invest in ads, then then do it well. Yeah. And um, yeah, we spoke about this with Adam JK in his episode. And certainly for creatives, we're, we're kind of beholden to these platforms. And if Instagram goes the way of Facebook, which I predict it probably will, yeah. it's owned by the same company, they, they are going to vastly hold back the amount of people that see your account and they're going to charge you to be seen by people. Mm-hmm. And so it might get to the stage where like ads are your only option to carry on growing on, on Facebook. But if you then target, you can get your targeting perfectly, but then if your copy and your picture or your video or, or whatever your actual content is, doesn't resonate with the people you've targeted, then you, then you've got a problem. It's everything has to align. Yeah. Well, you have to get good creative, but you also have to get the right people to see your good creative. Absolutely. And that may be, different videos for different sets of people yeah i think that's a really good point when it comes to ads it's like we're in a digital age now where you can target people so specifically we're not in an age now where it's like a tv ad that just goes out to everyone if Mm. it's like 5 p.m you're going to get two-year-olds and 70-year-olds seeing that exact same advertisement no matter where in the country they live but um with online ads it's like if you know that by doing these kind of ads that'll appeal to girls better and this kind of ads would appeal to 40-year-old men better, like do them separately. If your product appeals to more than one person, do separate ads targeted at those individual people. Don't just do a blanket ad that you think will appeal to everyone. I feel like we've gone... So this will be an interesting experiment. Okay, so we normally keep the podcast to around about an hour, yeah. including our intro. I feel like if we do the do's now, and this is all happening live on air that people <laughs> are witnessing our conversation, but um, I feel like if we do the do's now, then the episode will be too long. So... I think we should ask the audience what they prefer. Let us know what you prefer. Um, let's save the do's till next week. Um, but if you guys think you don't care about having a long, longer intro, then let us know and we'll go with what the majority says. Sounds good. Cool. Ooh, we're, we're growing and evolving <laughs> getting, getting in front engaging. of your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So I guess someone who has done very well online is this week's guest. Alex Gamsu Jenkins. What a legend. Yes, he's uh what are you like just the most likable person. Like yeah, he's, he's just great. just affable and I just like wanted to be his mate as soon as I met him. He's yeah. just such a lovely bloke. Well, I think listening to the start of this episode, you'll realise that it did just become quite like a matey conversation quite quickly. Like yeah. he is just a really down-to-earth guy who's really easy to talk to. Yeah, a hundred percent. Alex Gamsu Jenkins is an illustrator and cartoonist. His work is funny thoughtful and very relatable with touches of the grotesque alex has had work featured by many publications including vice enemy and the new york times alex finds his inspiration when he sits down and just starts drawing he starts with a subject and then a story ensues that takes his characters to another dimension a dimension that's very similar to ours it's just slightly twisted this episode we talk about finding motivation getting ideas and being ripped off. You know, I always had this idea that if you put stuff out online, it's, it straight away it could be like ripped off or it loses all its value instantly. You, you know, it's it's open for the public. Mm-hmm. But you realise that, you know, in this day and age, it doesn't matter. Hello, Alex Gamsu Jenkins. Hello there. Uh, where did that name come from? So Gamsu is my mum's maiden name. So yeah. there's actually, yeah, people think it's like a, like a nickname. It sounds yeah. a bit Japanese. It sounds yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But there is actually a Korean chef called Gamsu because I've Googled it. Yeah. But he's sort of sprung up recently. But it was, um, yeah, it's just, it's like a Jewish name. Ah. Gamsu, it's Eastern European, yeah. So, so your, mum, your mum's maiden name? Yeah, so there's, there's another Alex Jenkins already out there. And I think he's like a graphic design. It's not like illustration, it's very different very more like normal but proper than what yeah. I think. But still so, in the yeah, creative yeah. world he actually makes a proper living that Alex Jenkins <laughs> but, um, have we got the wrong one 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh shit! Sorry, yeah, um, yeah. Where's the overgrowns that way? Right? <laughs> yeah. That is a cool last name though, and kind of the name I think works really well with with your style of stuff. Um, yeah, that's good. I think it's the G and maybe the Gam, Gammy, yeah. Gammon. Yeah, meaty. <laughs> your work is quite meaty. How would yeah. you, how would you describe your work? Uh, meaty, uh, fleshy. That's all going for sort of a gammon state. I'm describing here. Yeah, grotesque. I'd say. I, I mean, I always say grotesque. It's but it does sum it up best. And comical, grotesque, and sort of with a hint of humour. Where did that come from? I think it's what I've always, it's always appealed to me. And when I've looked at illustration or art, that's the thing that's really like grabbed me. I mean, when I was a kid. It would always be the kind of. I mean, it's kind of. It's quite a boyish thing, isn't it? That you, you're what appeals to you is like gore and yeah, yeah. And, sort of, and that you know that sort of theme or something that's a bit rude. I think that was always the thing that got me as a kid was those themes, slightly absurd, maybe a bit dark as well. Is there anything in particular like what were you watching when you were a kid and what were you reading? Because I guess like that, Ren and Stimpy is really yeah. Gross. Ren and Stimpy was definitely one. I remember. I always remember the re- those. It would have those zoom in sections where it'd be really detailed and like hand it would be painted as opposed to like the the standard animation and those bits they always stick really clearly in my mind it'd be like it would zoom in on like a nostril or something and you'd see like the detail the hair and the The bits of snot yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, it'd be like really beautifully drawn as well so it's a nice juxtaposition of of taking something that's really gross but presenting it yeah like done really well that's Mm. it yeah it kind of justifies it doesn't it Yeah. yeah yeah what else what else were you into yeah, so Ren and Stimpy, there was like Beavis and Butthead was one. It's funny now you say it, actually, because I can now kind of see the Beavis and Butthead in your yeah, work now that yeah, you've said it. Yeah, comes up, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. What video oh, games? Oh. So like Mortal Kombat, where you're tearing people's heads off Yeah, Mortal Kombat. Um, all of the, the, the ones, because I'm, I'm 29 now, so like the ones that are on the like Nintendo 64, yeah, yeah. like GoldenEye. I mean, it doesn't really relate GoldenEye as much, but... Great game, right? Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant, right? Yeah, when that yeah. came out, it was amazing. And the film was pretty good as well. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, what film? I was like, oh yeah, the film, the game. Golden Knight, Golden Knight, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next on. Um, Dragon Ball Z was a big thing, I think. I love Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, yeah. I used to Absolutely try and draw favorite. the characters a lot. So me, I, yeah, I made my own villains. I thought the villains were really imaginative. Yeah. You know, each guy would be, because it was like set, you know, it was a universe. So each guy would come up and he had like different like features. And yeah. Be a different kind of look each time. Who's your favourite villain? There was a guy, he was... He was one of Freezer's. Remember Freezer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a guy. I think his name was Dodoria. He was a big. He was a pink, fat guy with like a bumpy head. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know that. Yeah, there was another guy called Zarbon who was his mate, and he was like a kind of. He transformed into like a lizard. Yeah, yeah. He got really big. Yeah, Dodoria was the other guy. Like it was Dodoria and Zarbon, and then Vegeta, I think, killed Dodoria. Yeah, he like, did. Sort of yeah, blew him away, and I always remember that really vividly. The moment when he like he, he did his sort of. How would you describe it? Like a um, blast. Energy blast. Energy yeah. blast, yeah. And sort of the Dory's whole face just kind of went, disappeared, just disappeared into nothing. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, so, I mean, to see that for a kid in a cartoon, you know, most cartoons, they would never like show violence. Yeah, I suppose like Dragon, that. Dragon Ball Z was the first one that was very violent and like fighty, yeah. I suppose, that I watched anyway. Yeah, yeah. That's and then, it. And it's... then I suppose off the back of that, I got into love like other anime that was quite like... Yeah, people getting cut up. Yeah, you would, it would it sort of opened the doors, didn't it? Yeah. Into discovering a lot more that was out there. I don't really know much about the anime world, but those um, ones that were really gory, were they made for kids or were they made for an adult audience, but kids were still kind of discovering them and watching them? I think it was kids. Like, like, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what it's or, like in Japan in terms of like what their boundaries are, because you get yeah. things like Naruto, which are really kiddie, but then you do get a lot that like Ghost in the Shell and that kind of thing that are like... A lot more ad- feel you know, adult bait, yeah. Yeah, aimed towards adults, it seemed. Yeah, so Ghost in the Shell definitely seems yeah. more... I suppose it probably is more adult. I think as a culture, they probably watch more cartoons as they, like, as they get older. It's not like you just watch them as a yeah. kid. It's almost like a drama, isn't it? Or a dark yeah. drama, yeah. Yeah, because like, like, there's a one called Death Note, which is like one of my absolute favourites. And the, the story in that is one of the best stories in anything that I've ever watched. Yeah, yeah. And it's a cartoon. It's pretty complex, you know. Yeah. Would a, a kid be able to fully digest it? Yeah, like, yeah, probably well, not. Yeah, or take it in. So maybe Dragon Ball Z is for... Maybe it wasn't specifically for anyone, but... Yeah, I think, I think it's probably still aimed at a slightly younger audience yeah. just because it's very simple. There's no real complexities to it. Yeah, like, it's what, sort of good and evil, isn't it? Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I say, like, as a kid, you just you could just relate to any of the characters and just think, I want to be him, I want to go Super Saiyan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess that's something to be said about Japanese culture, but for me, I found it quite hard growing up where I, I loved cartoons and 
it like you weren't allowed to watch cartoons when you got sort of past a certain age. And I think, I mean, because I'm a bit older than both of you and because and I, I, re- I remember getting to a certain point and being really angry that everyone was watching Spongebob. And I was yeah. like, but I got taken the piss out of for car- like wanting to watch cartoons yeah. and being really into cartoons when I was sort of 15, 16. And, yeah. and then- You have to, you get to the age where you, you feel like, yeah, you have to cut it off, otherwise yeah. you're condemned for yeah. watching still, yeah. I feel like anime does kind of fill that gap. It's almost like, it's a, a definitely a teenage market there, I think. Yeah, I guess so. And then I always loved the anime bit in Kill Bill. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I remember watching that and being like, this is the fucking coolest yeah, was thing amazing, I've ever right? seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well done and just gory, is, just so gory. There's that bit when that guy, he clenches his teeth and his teeth will sort of like splinter. And yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the bit was like the girl laying under the bed as her parents get stabbed. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Blood just beautifully drips through on her face. It's I know like, it's amazing. You, and apparently that took so long to make that that yeah. animated section there, but you can see why. But yeah, oh, absolutely, it's really well done, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's absolutely. amazing. And even like the flow, the way it kind of like the, I don't really know animation technicalities, but the way it kind of flows and yeah, the, 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 almost like the camera pans around and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you can do a lot, lot with the medium. I'm, I'm the same as you. I, I was always really like drawn to the bad guys yeah. when I was a kid, and all of my mates were not at all. It was yeah. sort of Leonardo from the Turtles or He Man or or Lionel from the Thundercats. But like my favourite characters, I'd, I used to sit and and sketch them, and I'd always be drawing. I mean, Skeletor, Skeletor yeah. was deaf because he was fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like yeah. Skeletor was a, was a big one for me. It was like probably and probably still is like my favourite character. I think yeah. of, like of all time because he's mm. just hilarious and and purely evil but yeah. really funny as well what was beast man like was he he was the henchman wasn't beast he man, yeah he's yeah, hilarious yeah. as well because he's just an idiot it's almost like slapstick the stuff they do with him it's like kind of laurel and hardy stuff of, of him just being the fool yeah well well skeletor is more of like sort of, he's more conniving and a bit yeah he, it's, it's almost like he he would be successful if he had the right team around him. Yeah. It's, it's bringing it back to business now, guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But what, yeah, what Skeletor should have done is, is hired a new team because, yeah, because basically Skeletor had all the amazing ideas, but then... Oh, the more runs sorting out for yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, they, fu- they fuck it all up and he's just know. like, yeah. I feel like that's kind of yeah. a constant theme in cartoons where you get someone who like, you've got your mastermind baddie yeah. and then the people who work for them are always the, useless. Yeah, the people aren't able below him and he's just kind of gritting his teeth and yeah. yeah. Just frustrated, yeah. It's probably an analogy for life. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Anyway, let's stop talking about cartoons now and uh, and talk about about your work. (laughs) More cartoons. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So, with your like grotesque, as you describe it, work, are you trying to shock people? No, no, I don't think so. I think I just I draw what what appeals to me and what I like. So I think that's naturally what I go to, uh, and what what keeps me driven. There's no motive to shock people. It's just, you know, I do what I like to do. And that's yeah. what, it, what what keeps me up till like 5am at night, drawing. Otherwise, if it was something else, I probably wouldn't be as like motivated. I'd just be like, you know, yeah. a bit more, shrug my shoulders and let it be. So to anyone that's listening to this that's not seen your work, you depict, I guess, a lot of kind of like mundane situations. That's a theme that always pops up, yeah. And and uh, I suppose the the temporary nature of, everything yeah things decay things fall apart and also just like just general human life of of like lazing in front of the tv and and but your characters will be lazing in front of the tv like disintegrating into the sofa or yeah or their face will be turned into maggots or yeah. and, it, and it is quite gross but it's also there's also a relatable element to a lot of it as well I, sorry i'm going on a real no, like no, really no, dissecting please. your yeah, work yeah. now. But so we had Alex Norris on recently who does a webcomic. Yeah, yeah, I know webcomic name. Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah, right, yeah. yeah. And the reason I think that his work has been so successful is because it is totally relatable. And I can yeah. definitely see a, an element of that, even though it's in a totally different way. Yeah. But people look at your stuff and they can see themselves in your characters. Yeah. Because a lot of your characters are kind of despairing with themselves almost. I yeah. Think. Or am I reading too much? No, no, no. Well, when you're saying all that, I think it's definitely like a reflection of myself. And when you say like the mundane things, I think maybe it's the mundanity of my own life, you know? Maybe it's my release of my, let out my frustration is drawing these silly illustrations. Where where do you get your ideas? Is it just things that happen to you? It could be anything, yeah. I mean, I always thought like, I've been asked that question before and I think it has to be that because how would I think of that in the first place, you know? You know, when you try and think for, when you, try and get inspiration for a drawing you, you to spark it it's something that has to 
be something that's maybe happened to you before or something that's in your like around you at the time. Yeah. No. As you I mean, people work in different ways, but for me personally, you kind of take inspiration from anywhere. It's not just kind of yourself. Like when you're walking around, you see something and kind of make a comedy out of it and kind of think, oh well, I could use that as a piece I wish I was that organised but no I can never do it it's usually I have to sit down with a pen yeah. and start sketching something and an idea will kind of come from that I'd, I wish I was that observant where I could like walk on the streets and be like right that's a great idea I'm going to do that but I never do that I think my brain is that advanced I'm more like a beast man <laughs> as opposed to skeletal you know well Alex Norris he would be skeletal he would be a lot more like there's a lot more intelligence <laughs> behind his work because I think he was a writer wasn't he no Alex, he, he uh, did Alex, um, yeah, he was working for his um, school newspaper, for his uni newspaper. Yeah, I think when he did he first Eng- English Lit, I think yeah. he said. I remember I watched yeah. his talk. Yeah, yeah, he did English Lit. So, yeah, I think he's, he's, his stuff's got a lot more... What's a better word for intelligence? See, that's how intelligent I am. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, think yeah, yeah. I think you're vastly underestimating your own stuff. Yeah, yeah you are. Um, and I think the, the proof is in the fact of, like, you've built a massive audience. There's a lot of people who are, who are really uh, relating to your stuff and, and coming on board, coming on this journey with you. Yeah, yeah, which is great. I mean, I'm really thankful for that. How have you built that audience? Just uh, trying to be as productive as possible with it. Uh, I think I started to put stuff out online in about 2015, I didn't really, I didn't really know about using, say, Instagram as a tool to getting work out there. I didn't really, I just, I assumed it was just for like, you know, selfies and yeah. photos of food and everything. And then I had an explorer in there, and I found all these different illustrators, and I found some guys who were in the a few years above me at, from the same course as me at the same college. Okay. At Camberwell. Yeah. And then I was like, shit, like these guys are doing really well, you know. So maybe try and take, you know, not emulate what they're doing, but take a similar plan and just keep trying to get work out there and hopefully stuff will come off the back of that. So you, you were just watching at how they had success and sort of tried to emulate their method? Yeah, a little bit. Well, I just saw that they would just seem to be pumping out work and they weren't so worried about, you know, I always had this idea that if you put stuff out online, it's it, straight away it could be like ripped off or it loses all its value instantly. You know, it's, it's open for the public. Mm-hmm. But you realise that, you know, in this day and age, it doesn't matter. I think a lot of young people have that same problem. Like we did a talk not too long ago and someone came up to me at the end who was a like ceramicist. Yeah. And she was like, well, how do I copyright my stuff when I put online? I'm, I was like, you just, we're in a different age now. Like, know, you see, you yeah, just yeah. have to put it out there. Yeah. And if someone copies you, they copy you, but you just have to do it first and don't let that stop you sharing your art with the world. Yeah, exactly. That's it, you know. But, I mean, people will try and probably simulate what you're doing a little bit and it's going to happen, it's, you know, especially now where everything's so open. Yeah. So maybe take it as a compliment if people do do that. I mean, if it's really obvious, like they're using it to make profit for yeah. themselves off the back of your work, then that's a problem. Yeah. But if it's, you know, people will kind of maybe copying your style a little bit then there's not much you can do but try and see the positive in that somehow I think as well it comes to you saying sort of you're you're being really prolific with your stuff and if someone is ripping you off they've then got to keep up to any way challenge you they've got to keep up with your output yeah and if you so if you say to the ceramicist well if you do that style more than anyone else you'll be known for that style yeah it's like there's a graffiti artist that is really well known for a a particular style that I know he copied off of someone else. Yeah. Because I know the original guy who was doing this first. And did you actually know them personally? Uh, Both guys? I, or... I know one of them personally. I know, know of the, the other The original guy. personally? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but because the guy who's copied has done it so many times, they're the it ones who's coming his own almost. Yeah. 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 It's a, yeah. They're known for it. So it's, it's, a... it's pretty frustrating when you, when you actually know the truth of it. I guess you got to, I mean, even though it's not affecting you, it's not your own style that's been copied personally, but you, I mean, you must feel frustration for the original artist. Yeah, oh. it's yeah, it's such a tricky one. I, I think that, because I think it is rare. I think people need to, like, obviously that's a horror story. That is something that has happened, but like put your work out there. Someone may copy it, but it's very unlikely that they're going to. And if they do, they're probably copying other artists as well. So when you kind of yeah. look through their feed, there's nothing that, will tie them together mm. so i know tattoo artists do it a lot um that, like a bad tattoo artist will go and will go and rip a design off someone else and you can tell that it's different but then when you look at their stuff it's like they're all over the place because they're just borrowing from all of these different tattooers yeah, yeah. whereas if i go to your page it's like <laughs> there ain't no missing who you are do you know what i mean yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. that's you through and through on every single um every single 
piece. So. Yeah. But then we're all, again, it's it's also, it's fine to be influenced by people as well. That's it, yeah, yeah. I think when, it's, no, when you start out, especially, I mean, for me personally, like when I, say when I first went onto Instagram and I saw all these different illustrators and then, and I remember that there was a guy called Robert Crumb who's like, he's he did comic books in the, in the 70s and he's getting loads of bad press at the moment because yeah. they were quite, they gave, you know, they were, pretty sexist and racist but it was it, that was his thing he like attacked everyone but when I found him you know I was like god this guy like I'm gonna try and draw like him yeah so I really tried my hardest to try and get Robert Crumb's style and you know you do that naturally you know you yeah. try and take on the people that you really admire's work but then I think it's important maybe to try and find your own way the yeah. further you go on like for me and like from what I think works well is if you're starting doing anything copy people yeah. because I think copying someone's the best way to learn yeah 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 I think because it's, it's like you look at something and how did they make that and you try and then you learn to do it and once you get to a stage and you can do it then you can learn to do other stuff and you just keep learning lots of different bits and once you've got the skill and like the full talent set then you should go and start finding your own style and then pushing it that's forward that's it yeah yeah it's like collecting as much information as possible yeah at that, at that stage you're at it's like well, even I mean any stage you're at to be honest maybe not if you're going to do that later on down the line, don't say it's your own work. Yeah. You know, maybe keep it to oh, a sketchbook. Absolutely. Don't you know? Don't maybe don't put it out there. But I mean, even like it's, it's so important for like illustrators or artists just to go and go outside and with a sketchbook and just try and you know draw things that you're not comfortable with drawing yeah. and pick up that information to store. Because I mean, I would, I would hate to draw a chair or something that's like a car. I'm really bad at drawing cars, but if you just keep doing it and doing it, eventually you're going to pick up and collect the information. Exactly. That kind of runs with what you're saying, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I was thinking it also links to every author will have read a shit ton of books. Yeah. So it's like... So yeah, you're absorbing that information. Exactly, and I think that's, styles that's of, an art form. Of literature, yeah. That's why I, I like, because you're, you're always really open about, about your influences, and I've heard you talk about Robert Crumb before. And, yeah. And I think a lot of artists don't do that they they want people to sort of believe that it just like ah oh, yeah, and it just came yeah. to them we're all influenced by by something of course yeah 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 that's it um i've noticed as well there's a lot of phones in your work i don't know yeah that always seems to pop up and laptops is another thing yeah yeah i need to sort of i try and stray away from that but right but again it's maybe it's that thing of like it's what you do a lot in your own you in my own life that you, it then directly influences what i do because i'll probably sit there like on my phone way too much so maybe that's what's the automatic thing my brain wants to go to. What's your app that, that keeps you coming back the most? All the standard ones, yeah. I want to say something exciting, but they're going to be really boring and standard, yeah. No, like the big ones, your and Instagram. Do you, and, you do, you have a, do you have like an Instagram strategy? Or is your strategy just produce work and put it out there? I think there is a bit of a thing to it where you don't want to overdo it. And you don't want to. You don't want to become a slave too much to Instagram. Firstly, you know you don't. You don't want to make it all about Instagram, but it is, you know, super important. But then, I think the strategy maybe would be to, to simplify it. It would be like maybe four or three drawings a week, and kind of space them out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then there are other things, you know, of certain times to put it out. But I mean, yeah, don't don't think that the amount of likes you that you're getting is the be all and end all of everything, you know. Mm-hmm. But it does make you feel good. There's no, yeah. there's no yeah. lying about that, you know. If you get something yeah. that's really well received, then it, you feel like it's, a, a, you feel far more positive than if you've got like a really bad response on Instagram. Yeah. Do you find that those likes influence what you do going forward, or do you just do what? I you- think it probably does. Like if you, like I, th- I feel like my style does sort of change slowly. That like if I look back at my drawings from say two years ago, I mean I, you develop anyway mm-hmm. and become probably better because you, you're drawing a lot more. But um, you do feel that the ones that probably receive a better response or that, that have a better response to drawings, maybe subliminally you kind of go with the ones that have a better response and then you go with that style more and more, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you almost like it's like a, it follows a, a lead mm-hmm. by the response it's getting and then you kind of hone in on that and without thinking about it too much. What kind of stuff do you think gets the best response? You never know fully. I mean, sometimes I can really, I put loads of effort in a drawing and it, I'll be on it for like two days. And I'll be like, right, I'm going to put it out there and see how this does. And then it just it goes, you just see the tumbleweed going. <laughs> well, not too, you know what I mean though? But yeah. And then the ones that you like really quick and you're like, right, I've got no time, but I only want to put out a drawing quickly. I'll just whip this out quickly and it, I put no effort in and I'm like, this is going to do really badly, but then it get, does really well. So you never know. You can never predict it, which is, 
I'd rather it was predictable and you yeah. knew the formula to it, right? But I think I've got to a stage personally now where, because I know the algorithm changes so often yeah. and so many different things can affect it that I don't care how many likes I get now. Yeah. It's like, it can be between, sometimes I'll put one up and I'll get like 5,000, sometimes I'll put one up and I'll get 800. And the pictures I think are both equal, but I know it's probably just the algorithm it that's is, playing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, so I think it's a refreshing mindset to have. Just don't worry about that, you yeah. know, and, and have, have faith in what you do. Takes so much stress out of it because yeah, I've got, yeah. I know so many people who will be like absolutely stressing out because their posts aren't performing as well as That's they were it, last yeah. week. But at the end of the day, there's there's no like little secret you can just tweak and turn on. Yeah, it's not like by posting five minutes apart, different is going to make too much. Like it's not going to be the difference between like eight hundred and six thousand. Like just the algorithm changes all the time and just go with it. That's it. Yeah, and I think also that when I said the don't become like a slave to it. Sometimes you feel like if you've missed it, you haven't posted in a while, you, you start to panic a bit and you're like, right, I need to, you know, am I going to lose like relevance? People, yeah. You know, people are going to lose interest in what I'm doing. But I think it's important to remember that it's quality over quantity as Absolutely. well. And I, need, I need to really apply that to myself. Yeah, like I always say to people, post as often as you can post good quality work. Don't think you have to post every day just because you... You have to do it, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then, it's a bit of a fake market, really, isn't it? You know, kind of like the likes and the follows. It's not like, you know, it doesn't translate success, really, at, down, at the end of the day. No, it absolutely doesn't. And no. I, I wrote a blog post about it recently that talks about sort of there are people who've been on Love Island who've got a million followers that live with their mum. Yeah, and yeah. And there's people with 5,000 followers who are making a really nice living. Exactly, and yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 uh, I think my clever line that I wrote was... Uh, Having a high number account does not equate a high number bank account. Shakespearean. I was, I was quite proud of that. Yeah, it's yeah. juicy. Um, but yeah, but yeah, it's true, isn't it? I think yeah, uh, yeah focusing on focusing on making sales and and getting clients and and doing work is more important than chasing the likes because at the end yeah. of the day the likes don't keep the lights on. I mean, well, but or they just do. Building the foundation that you can live off as yeah. well, you know. Or, yeah, yeah. But being trying to be successful in the field that you're in, yeah. it's the most important thing. Yeah, like you said. So how do you keep your discipline up to sit down and get those drawings done? So, what, how to stay motivated yeah, to, to it? Or? Stay motivated, stay disciplined, because at the end of the day, you're your, you're your own boss. It's hard, yeah. Um, I think it's good to kind of refresh your influences and, and the ways of finding ideas. Like, you know, sometimes it can just be like looking at something like Pinterest mm-hmm. just to try and spark something. Sometimes looking at like stock images, I find for me, because yeah. you just get these really like, obvious images that come up, but then just an action that you might see there might then spark like a, a narrative in your head. That could be like a guy, I don't know, um, they're usually really tacky, aren't they, stock images? Yeah. You know, it's, it, I know exactly what you mean. It's very like, every image is very obvious, like obvious, overly yeah. obvious. Overly obvious. And yeah. I think that helps just to simplify it. And then it could be a guy on the phone at his desk, but then, you know, that could then spark a story about, a desk I don't yeah. do you know what I mean it, it can just lead on to something else it's so it's like, like just by there. saying that you can then be like you'll remember watching a TV show or being in an office and seeing something happen and then you yeah. can make the story from there that's it so I think to keep things going is, is yeah changing up your influences I think it's important to be aware of of changing up be aware of your faults is one thing and be aware of that your your need to change your style up at some point as well, or like to try and no, just try and improve yourself in some way. I think that's really important. I guess you love what you do, which helps. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that as well. Yeah, I, I moan a lot. I always moan to people around me, like my girlfriend. I'm always moaning, and she says, "Why are you always moaning? Like the position you're in." But I'm like, and I do realise that I am in a really good position. I just like to moan a lot. <laughs> person, really. What what um what are your main moans? Um, no sleep. Letting people down on time-wise because I get no sleep. <laughs> Used to be too much cigarettes. I mean, these are all Smoking in your that's... own control so far. <laughs> I know, they are. All of them are really easy to deal with, right? But I'm still not there yet. That's one thing, I think, is when you start really late at night, you end up smoking. Well, I used to, well, I'm trying to stop now, but when you used to smoke, you'd end up smoking. If you do like a, a long shift of drawing, you smoke so much. So like when you wake up the next day, your lungs are like really wheezing. It's quite... Uh, being fatigued and being tired uh, affects your ability to make decisions. Yeah. So you will always go to, if, if you're stressing yourself about something else, yeah. you will always go to the easy decisions. So when it comes to 
like you can be eating really healthily, but then if you're stressing- Really tired or like under a situation, you're just going to go grab the nearest like- 100%, Viennese yeah. wells or something. Yeah. Or the cakes or, yeah. Because it's easy and it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or the cigarettes or the, yeah. Yeah, we are our own worst enemies. Yeah, we are, right, yeah. Are there any particular countries that um, you've noticed are really kind of responding to your stuff? No, but I assume, I see English language pop-ups. I'm guessing that's going to be like the US and the UK, maybe Australia, and Spanish pops up, and Brazilian. Oh no, it's Portuguese, so... Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I only asked that just because, just looking at your stuff, I've not really seen anything like it, and I just wondered, like, it seems like the sort of thing where you just might be like, oh yeah, I'm I'm really massive in, like... I don't know. Eastern Europe. Yeah, just somewhere random. Yeah. There's just like, it really resonates with a certain culture or a certain No, but group. one thing that I thought that was quite like warming to hear was that I had a friend who was in, he lives in Vietnam and he was doing like a drawing workshop and then he's, yeah. he, he does like prints, uh, woodblock printing. Oh, cool. And he was like to his, he does a, he runs a little workshop and he said to his students, he said, Oh, can you like bring in some influences that you have? And there's these Vietnamese guys. And then the guy brought in a picture of my work, which I thought was quite cool, though. Oh, yeah. Like, in Vietnam, you know. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect that, but that was a nice thing to hear. That's, That's the crazy cool. thing about well, the well, internet. Well, baby. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Not really, but yeah, yeah. yeah but it's still quite... International artists. No, but that's, the, that's the glory of... Absolutely. Of the, the internet and... Yeah, it's always funny, like, when I look at our podcast analytics and just see where in the world people listen to it and they'll be like... Get some really remote places. Really remote. Really, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, What's the most remote you've seen? Probably, you get people like in, like, kind of like Turkbekistan and, like... Oh, yeah, like, yeah. like, we'll get one or two. Like, 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 Road, I don't yeah. know who's listening to it, whether someone's just in an airport somewhere and they've got it on. Like, there's so many, like... It makes you think, right? You would like to, like, hope, just, like, zoom in and see who this person is. Are they in, like, a yurt somewhere yeah. like the Mongolian plains? Yeah, they've just got, just got 3G and yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah. the first like, thing I'm going to do is listen. listen to Creative Rebels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the crazy thing about the internet, isn't it? Because, I mean, previously, your your job options would have been sort of, I don't know, write for a, a newspaper or, or a comic or something yeah. like that, um, or just be sort of an illustrator. Um, for And everything would be kind of local. But now kids in Vietnam are, are finding your stuff. Because yeah, yeah. you know if you've... If you've heard about that story, there's a million stories that you haven't heard about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, that was just a chance yeah. situation that's like, happened. Or a it'd chance, be great yeah, if you meeting. could find out, like, how many, like, school art classes your work had popped up in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you, you, you kind of get that thing a bit, you get a bit of an imposter syndrome, then you're a bit like, what, really? Like me? You know? Yeah. Like really Do you suffer like, from that? A little yeah, all the time. I've got it right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I did it at the beginning, but I'm right now. I've sort of settled in. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, I think, yeah, it does, I mean, it's, it happens to lots of people, right? They kind of, uh, why am I here? Am yeah, I good I, enough? I, I think most people, yeah. it's easy to say, like most people have imposter syndrome. Unless you're like uber confident. And yeah. Just, like, yeah. I think it might be a kind of like evolutionary thing that we have built into us. Yeah. Because when we were hunter-gatherers, um, they've shown that when you're on your own, you become less happy. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. The whatever chemicals that control that drop. Yeah. Because being away, f- separated from the group, yeah, would be dangerous when we were hunter gatherers. Yeah. So by standing in front of a stage of people, there's a potential for the tribe to reject you. Uh, right. So it's yeah, kind yeah. of built into us to have this fear. Yeah. Of presenting and and putting ourselves out open in public because we might be alienated from the group, which is yeah. da- which is dangerous for us. Yeah. And I think we. People will look at like stuff that's happened in the last hundred years, not realizing that we are animals that have evolved over millions of years, and how much of our behaviour is just inbuilt yeah. to us, and then they don't give that enough credit. Yeah. But, okay, we're going much deeper than uh, than I thought we would. Um, <laughs> you went to uni quite late. I did. Yeah, yeah. I went when I was about twenty-two. Would you say you were a mature student? No, well, I'm definitely not mature now. No, no, but, um, I, I, was, I think I, when I went there, I, I felt like I was in between. Like I was really uh, useless when I was a teenager. I think I didn't really know what I was doing for a long, long time until I was about 21. I was like, you know, what? I, I was quite good at drawing when I was when I was young, mm-hmm. when I was about 10, when I used to watch cartoons. And then I'm going to, I'm gonna, you know, I feel like I had a, a slight knack at it, so I'm going to take that back up again. But before I had no idea, I thought I was going to do a trade or 
Um, I worked in Sainsbury's for a long time, about four or five years. When you were good, when you were a kid, what stopped you carrying on drawing? Well, I went to quite a rough school in South London, and it was like it was one of the it was the worst in the borough. Yeah, and it was like one of those schools. That it felt like a bit like a prison yard, you know. And there'd be like I remember like draw, going there in like year seven when you first started. And I remember like took doodling my book and, and like getting a punch in my back. Like, what are you drawing, man? And I'd be like, <laughs> like put it away, and that was like the last time you had to kind of toughen up a bit. Yeah, then, you know, and like never I didn't draw for ages. Yeah, I had like ten years or something. So yeah, I, I went to uni at uh, 25 as well and it's fucking weird, isn't it? What did you study then? I did fine art. Um, and which uni did you go to? I went to one in Lancaster. Yeah. So like really, really far away. All I was right. basically running away from an ex-girlfriend. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I just I just picked... <laughs> situation. Yeah, well, I, I was so in love with her and we broke up and I was like... You well, was like, I need to get away from this because otherwise I'm going to be like forlorn forever. A hundred percent, yeah. So yeah. she was like, she always thought that I wasn't ever going to do anything with my life. And so You're I was right, like... I'm prove her wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So I like got all of the uni things. She yeah. was like, you won't get accepted into any unis because I dropped out of college when yeah. I was 16. She was like, you won't get accepted in, you haven't got any foundations, you'll have to go and do a foundation in art. And anyway, I, I did get accepted and I, I went along at, at 25. And yeah, and I chose Lancaster because it was as far away from, I knew I wouldn't be bumping into her every yeah. day. So I'd have three years to get over her. God, this is getting deep, isn't it? I didn't yeah, know yeah. Be oversharing all of this <laughs> no, shit. No, no, I've got something to say after you as well, actually. Yeah, but I don't want to put it on there. But yeah, I, I ended up in uh, in Lancaster and I, and I, I had a, a really weird... Um, experience there where because although you're only a couple of years older at that time in your life like oh, being 25 quick. is like yeah. way older yeah and everyone looks at you like oh you're a grown man yeah and it's weird because they're all doing all the they're fresher all like, stuff you know straight out 19 18 yeah yeah did you feel like you being that age did you feel like your 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 work ethic was different to how it would have been when you were say 18 I mean, it probably was better, but I still, I'm not going to say that I was. You weren't like fully, you know, matured workwise. No. Uh, well, so, okay, sense. so I was working, I was working at a tattoo studio, I was working at a mobile phone shop, and I was doing my degree. So I was working fucking hard. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I yeah. realised that I was learning more in the tattoo studio than I was. So it was the. Not than the I was in the degree. Really yeah, so your... I started neglecting. I started neglecting the degree because I realised I was getting so much more, and I was like. I've got this time here. I can do whatever I want with that time. Yeah. I'm going to put it into where I think I have a passion and I'm enjoying it and I'm learning so much more. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that, it, that was kind of... Yeah. It, seems to, it seems to make a lot more sense for you, you know, to go into a far more or a practical job like that where you're going to be far more motivated for it as well. Yeah, yeah. It worked out all right, yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm, yeah, I mean, I got, a, I got a... What are the grades at uni? First or second? I got a second. It's so there's yeah, first, first two, two one, one two, two. Oh, two, two one two. that's what I got yeah two one two yeah. one yeah two one's good yeah. It's yeah. good yeah that's like so I did all right that's like a B plus no yeah yeah, yeah. So I did all right, but it would definitely, I, I mean, I didn't go to my graduation ceremony. It just wasn't important to me. And yeah. and by the end of the three years, that was when graffiti stuff was really starting to happen. And I was like, this could be a potential career. And yeah. and so I was really focusing on that where I knew my degree was worthless for that anyway. So the big question is, did you get over your ex-girlfriend by the end of the degree? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I did, so yeah. That's, that's the yeah, success. Yeah. So what, what was it that made you choose to go to uni and study? Was it illustration? It was, it was. It was chance. It was like I was encouraged by my mum. She like I think she she recognised that I was quite talented at creating like small cartoons yeah. and maybe had like the thing of humour. I remember like I created something. It was like for a grandparents' anniversary, and I was quite young. I think I was probably like nine, but I, I captured them really well. It was almost like caricatures, but yeah. it was quite adult in a sense as well. I'm not like bigging myself up too much but even now I look back and I was like that's quite good for like yeah. a <laughs> nine year old you know yeah like the way like the sort of what I captured there. Um, and I think she recognised that and she, I think, you know, there were people around me, like my dad as well, he also was like, you know, he was more saying get into a trade, do that or do something that's more stable. Yeah. Yeah, she was like, why don't you do an art course and then I found out to do, you had to do a foundation first because mm-hmm. I've got really bad uh, GCSEs and everything. Yeah. Too much time at the Whitgift Centre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then it, the uh, the foundation led on to Campbell, which is like uh, it's, it's a good illustration course there. Yeah. And then here we are, sort of. Here we are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what would you say to that kid hanging out in the Wicked Wick Gift Centre now? I'm not sure. Do you know, what? I'd say firstly, I'd say like get through like your GCSEs because they're, they're not that hard, are they? It's just a structure that you have to follow. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's just not like tick box, but it almost 
you know, it doesn't take much to to do well if you apply yourself. So I'd say like apply yourself more because you can, you, it is achievable when you are able, even if you, if you put the time in. Mm-hmm. And um, but then but then now your GCSEs don't mean anything. So that's it. Yeah, it. they don't not at all. And the, yeah, I mean the only thing I sometimes I think is, is I think if this all goes to pot, like if if I, the illustration career goes dry, and I think shit, will I those GCSEs like creep back up on me and I, when I'm applying with like my free GCSEs no one's looking at your GCSEs and dude and CVs at the Whitgift Centre no one's <laughs> looking at your GCSEs dude don't worry yeah. about it I think I think we I think everyone worries so much about those those qualifications and stuff and it's like unless you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer like literally no one's looking at that stuff yeah I, I knew you were going to disagree. Yeah, go on. Go on. See, I, I completely disagree. With, spannering. Yeah, I completely disagree with that because it's like, it's just giving yourself the best possible odds to do as many possible things. Like, you've no idea what your life's going to do. So you might find that you absolutely love, like, because if you want to work for a big design agency, you probably want to get into a big design school because they're only going to recruit from people who go to those big universities, if that's the path that you want to take. If you want to become... But is that is that a good thing or... I think it's whatever makes that person happy. Like, I think it's just good to give yourself as many opportunities as possible. Yeah. Because it's like, if you had passed your GCSEs, like, at least you wouldn't have had to spend an extra year doing that foundation. You could have gone straight into doing your full course straight away. Yeah. And then you'd be a year ahead now of where you would have been. Like, if you'd have just got those grades, you probably only have to get a C in each thing to get a good pass. Yeah. But, like, just, just getting the pass... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes a big difference in a way. Yeah. For me, I, I think you, you, yeah. I think you learn much better on the job. So for me, yeah, I would when you're when you're fifteen and sixteen, you're not on the job. You're at school. you can be on the job because you can just be drawing. Like I mean, if I if I could go back to my GCSEs and I had all of that time and just to paint and not be worried about what I was doing in maths, which was stressing me the fuck out and, yeah. and has, does, and, and has yeah. no Super. relevance on my life whatsoever. Yeah. Like I've never used trigonometry or anything because yeah. I get you to do it because you, you <laughs> did concentrate yeah. um, but yeah. like if I could go back and, and just and have that time I'd be like well just draw during yeah. that time and, and practice and do what you love or play guitar or whatever it is that, that you love doing and if you love doing maths then do maths I think that if my like my uni it hasn't affected my life in any way whatsoever other than the fact that it gave me three years to to focus my artwork and did it open doors for you in terms of like meeting people or figuring out how did the industry works a bit better or not at all no not at all like my my course didn't teach me because i thought i really wanted to learn how to paint oils so i thought we'd have a tutor that would be great with oils that would be like oh this is how you do it there was nothing like that there was no one who would teach me how to do anything And at the same time, there was no one teaching me like really, we had one lesson on like the business of art, yeah. being taught by tutors who'd never had any commercial success. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they, they would, they did bring some artists in who did have commercial success that had, I mean, t- to a degree. But not to like write off your, those tutors, but I mean, what can you learn from them when they have no experience in that themselves, yeah. you know? Yeah. Was, but I suppose some of that was definitely down to you not reading what modules are written in that uni course. Because any course has all the modules you can look at before you go into it. Yeah, so. I mean, I literally, I was just trying to get away from my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, I was like yeah. yeah, I'm going That's there. the priority. Yeah, 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 if you yeah, thought yeah. I want to learn oils and you check the syllabus and it's like, oh, actually, well, I've got three modules a year, which are all oil-based, like yeah. skill technique-based things. But I bet if you look through that syllabus now... I mean, my, my art degree was just basically, what do you want to do? Do that for three years and develop your ideas. And so I, I started painting and they told me I couldn't use spray cans because I was too comfortable with it, which really fucks me off because that yeah. was what I was good at. It, looking back though, does that still annoy you? Or do you think there was some benefit to that with what they were saying? I feel like I learned so much more in the tattoo studio. Yeah. And so I'm grateful because I I got uh, the job. the tattoo studio led on because of the course though? So you could maybe... Well, because I met someone on my course who recommended me to the tattoo studio to go and paint one of their walls. Yeah. And while I was painting their wall, we got into a conversation and the guy who's now one of my best friends, Mark, um, he was like, oh, you should should try tattooing. And just went from there. I've got to agree. Do you know, when I when I found out I was going to Campbell and I was like, right, I'm in. I don't know. It's, I'm going to be like led by, by the hand. It's going to be like amazing. They're going to teach me exactly what I need to do. But it wasn't like that at all. I found it was lots of insecure art students. 
the teachers were like they never there was no compliments from them they were really like hardball it was all quite airy fairy as well it was like up in the air what was um, your course illustration okay but it was like you know they if you came in and you did like a standard illustration you'd have to do a crit and i felt like every, the tutors were quite negative and it, it left quite a sour taste but i felt like also the 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 thing that I got out of it was that it did push you quite hard with work. You know, you, there was lots of modules, even though it did, didn't directly relate. Lots of modules and the quick like turnaround of it kind of prepped you for when you leave. When I left, so at the time I was like, "This isn't helping me at all." But when I came out of it, I felt like um, I had like a good uh, system of working. Mm-hmm. And being harsh did that help? No, I don't think so. Maybe it toughens you up a little bit, yeah, but I don't think so. No, I think I, I, I would have rather have had encouragement from them or yeah, so I, much compliments, I think encouragement, I, you know? Because for me, like, my first year, like, because I, I went into it, like, most people on my course weren't very good. Like, yeah. they weren't very, like... What, what did you study? Interior architecture. Right, okay, yeah. Um, and there's a lot of people who basically picked it because they thought it was interior design. Yeah. They didn't realise how kind of, like, technical it would be. Yeah. And we'd have things where we'd kind of... So there was one thing we had to go down to, like, a scrapyard, get loads of different stuff, and then make, like, create... So we create, like, this suit of armour kind of thing that would help an old... I think you had to build something that would help an old person do something to make their life better. Yeah. Uh, so it was kind of coming up with these different concepts, working out what you could find, and then kind of building it. So that was really fun. But with, like, we had to do some, like, drawings of kind of, like, what it would look like. And because I was quite a skilled drawer, no one else really was. And you'd go around and put stickers on your other people's things I'm like well if you can make it look good people are just going to like it anyway yeah uh, and some people's were awful but so it was Instagram before Instagram yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Likes. well it's branding it's, it's like Instagram, if you can make yeah. something look good people will just be like oh well that's probably good because it looks good <laughs> yeah it's like if you see a like it's like fashion it's like oh well it looks good so it must be good yeah yeah you don't know it actually costs 50p to make in India or something but yeah, my tutor was always really harsh. And I was like, he's a dick. Like, I've never had anyone in my life be that horrible. Yeah. And I'm on the internet all the time. I can see what other people are doing. I know what I've done is pretty good. Yeah. And he's being overly harsh. But I don't know if that was just because he saw me being a cocky, confident, like yeah. he thinks he knows how to do it all already. Yeah. And then purposely trying to bring me down. But he was, yeah, he was a bit of a dick. But my other tutors were like great, like really great people. Like, uh, we had the top interior architecture school in the country so we had some really good tutors there who were like so inspirational all ran our own practices and were like just great like really cool interesting people yeah to know. yeah I guess I guess there's such a difference in schooling and if you're going somewhere where there is bringing in experts because because for me that's how you learn that's why we're doing this podcast is you yeah. learn yeah. you learn from experts and so and there, there was none of that at my university so yeah. I didn't really Learn I suppose, from anyone who'd been who'd who'd walked the path that I wanted yeah, to go yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You felt I a th- bit uninspired by. Yeah. yeah. I suppose that's thing. If you are deciding to go to uni, do your research and make sure it's a good one because unis are effectively businesses that want to take your money. Yeah. So make sure sh- and like because some people just accept. Oh, you've got. So you're saying don't base it on romantic decisions. No. Yeah. No. I, I mean, I think what you were saying about, about your course, what probably would have been a more helpful way of dealing with things is to treat you like um, a client would. Yeah. Because then then through leaving, this wouldn't be a new experience of dealing with your first client. Yeah. Because yeah. your tutors would have said, oh, this is this is what I want from the brief and can you tweak this and change this? And yeah. that would prepare you more for the future rather than just this self-contained thing that when you get out of it, you're like, well, what the fuck do I do now? Yeah, yeah. Which I feel does happen quite a lot yeah yeah, yeah i feel yeah, like yeah. yeah most people leave and they don't they're not set up to do anything specific the ones who do and they do leave and they are sort of set up but it's, it's not fluke situation but it, you know often it's it's just that they've had lucky events where that that's led on to some success you know i think everyone's in a similar boat when they leave that like they're a bit lost and vague so what did you do it. when you left I, I was one of the fluke ones that's why i said it because i, I think i luckily got like a job well, I was still in my final year. It was like, you know, it was low pay and everything, but it was still something. And I, yeah, that I felt like I was. What was, on, what was the job? It was an editorial job for Vice. But, um, okay. So that was a good, you know. And really good profile building because yeah, 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 yeah. Just yeah. But it was, but, but I feel that was luck as well. It was like just knowing the right people. So otherwise, I would have been really lost. If I didn't, yeah, just get that one job, I would have been so the, up in the air. Who did you knew that managed to get you the job there? I worked in a phone centre and the guy there, he also illustrated for Vice. Yeah, and he was an illustrator too. So 
just through like, asking him. And then I, I lived with a friend of his, so there was like a bit of a uh, connection there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so but it was just luck, really, yeah. Yeah, I always say to people that the people that you meet will change your life. Yeah. Um, and and for you, like, that was obviously lucky because they were already connections. But I think, like, for those people that are going out there that, that don't already know someone, it's just getting on the radar of the right people. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And I mean, although the vice job was was low paying, you obviously weighed it up with paying some money, which is great. And also it's helping the exposure is thousands of people see my work. Yeah, that's it, you know, yeah. And I mean, that's the main boost from it. Yeah. yeah, which is which is huge. I mean, it's probably kind of a lot of yeah. the foundation of your following would have found you via Vice, I would imagine, yeah. in the beginning. And about a lot of my friends from my course, you know, they they, and I think I would have been in the same position if it weren't for that. You know, they felt like they could be graduated, and you're like, what now? You know, shrugging your shoulders. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I mean, when you get publication, because we've spoken to, um, I think it was when we spoke to Kay Lever, she was talking about, so if you're a writer, you can get your stuff featured by Huffington Post, but they don't, they won't pay you anything. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Huffington so, Post, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you'd expect it because it's such a big name. Yeah, but... yeah, you think that'd be quite, because I, I know, it's, it's a, where are they from in America? Do you remember that? New York yeah. or something? Because the American like illustration mar- industry or market, they, they pay, they're meant to pay quite well as well, so. Yeah, I think America is generally quite good for for pay for creatives from yeah. what i'm i've understood from just not the huffington post the yeah. 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 but yeah i think a lot of these online i guess content farms there are people who are willing to do it for free because yeah. of the ne- because of the name associated to it so they take so advantage of that they will that's how they make their content yeah. um I, sh- I think buzzfeed's another one that does it a lot yeah um, you, you'll just submit your article and you'll be proud if it gets on. You can tell your friends, oh, I've had a Bu- BuzzFeed article, but yeah, you're yeah. not going to get any pay for it. But as we've spoken about before, like sometimes these free free gigs and if you maximise them in the correct way, yeah, because um, no one needs you know. to know that you didn't get paid by BuzzFeed. No, no, yeah. no. You no, can no. just... Because yeah, I would assume when you said Huffington Post, I'm, I think like, you know, yeah. Huffington Post, you know, yeah. you probably earn a good amount for that but yeah and most people do which is why it's great for your cv yeah yeah you just pop that on and be like oh look i've been writing for the huffington post sure you should pay me this amount of money to because why wouldn't you because i've been working for the huffington post so yeah so if you're savvy about it you can use it to your advantage definitely i'm kind of writing a blog in my head at the moment about moaning because i just see so much of it online yeah and i think it's such a waste of time like getting bogged down with worrying about what other people are doing. Yeah, yeah. Like losing your mind about fucking Kylie Jenner saying that she's self-made. Yeah. It's like, d- doesn't fucking matter. Focus on yourself. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. taking gonna, that time happen. out. To, just don't, you know, yeah. don't let it like, overwhelm you, you know. Um, so you graduated, luckily tripped into Vice, which were, which was great. How yeah. did you go about kind of finding your other clients from I, there? I wanted to say, sorry about, about that as well. I think it was lucky for me too, because I was like one of the only ones on the course who was just like illustrator you know kind of stuck to that you know stuck with with the idea of illustrating like an editorial image while other people they did like you know some people in my course did sculpture they did all different things so that's why it's probably harder for them as well because I was just a lot more yeah, your portfolio is one set of things rather than yeah. being like a, a some people doing, they, I mean it works amazing but they're doing you know and far more creative than me mine but they're they're trying different things. People like consistency and kind of to know that they can trust you to do something as well. So if that's the one of the keys for, like, say, illustration, yeah, is yeah, because yeah, they know yeah. if they're paying you for something, they're gonna they're gonna want to know that you can do it well. And if they've seen you've done yeah. it well fifty times before, or you've done it twice well before, you've also done two of these things and two of these things and two of these things and two of these things. They're like, oh, it's not the confidence there that would sell it to them as well. Yeah. So how did you start finding your? your next clients after after getting vice it was quite hard i think i think it's still hard now because of my style and everything and it's grotesque and it's ha- gammy hammy you know meaty <laughs> it's not the most easiest style to kind of get work through so you have to you have to search quite a bit or you have to let them come to you which the internet allows and you know having an online portfolio enables that a lot more so yeah you have to be quite selective not through choice but you you know you have to find the ones who would be willing to publish your work how much active searching do you do and how do you go about that? I don't... I need to get back on the case because I feel like very soon my jobs are going to run out and I'm going to have to like, desperately search for more people. But I used to do it a lot and I used to send out loads of emails and then I'd, I'd end up getting... Sometimes there'd be ones that I'd really try and aim for and I ended up getting a bit desperate and I kept sending, like, bombarding the people, like the art directors of emails and it got a bit embarrassing. So I'd, I, it kind of that scared me off a bit after I went through that. So I haven't done it for a while. 
but it, it's something you need to do. Like uh, I've speak to, um, I'm with a, they're called the um, Association of Illustrators, the AOI. And then she, uh, the lady from there was saying how important it is to always, you know, make yourself available and keep getting in contact with people because, you know, it just opens up so many doors if you're the person being proactive, looking yeah. for work as well. I think people forget about you as well, yeah. don't they? It's like, unless you're on their radar all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's it. You know, you're not going to be at the forefront of someone's mind always. You know, you've got to just don't maybe do it too aggressively. Yeah. I think that's what I was doing in the past. I was too aggressively. I looked a bit like, like a crazy ex. Yeah. So I think they were a bit like, right, put him in the junk mail folder. Yeah. So I think there's a, there's a way of doing it, you know. So do you monetize in, a, in any other ways or is it all just client work? All client work, yeah. I mean, sometimes you, I get um, sort of like advertisement. I've done like things like Skillshare before. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So, I mean... So you taught a class for them? It was it was literally like a, a, a no Instagram stories. Yes, yeah, so it's like a, a it. few sec, like fifteen second clips. Okay, and it's just like me, you know, like from kind of like a, a, a bird's eye view, drawing on like a what's it when it's sped up? Time lapse. Time lapse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty simple, but that kind of thing. I mean, what's good about that is it still is me, it shows me drawing. It's not yeah. like I'm selling like a protein shake. Yeah. Or something, you know. Yeah. It's, it kind of relates. It's on brand, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's not like completely going selling yourself down. Yeah, I can't see any like soul, you know. Weight loss teas on your, uh, on yeah, your yeah, camera. Yeah, yeah. Well, like unless they come to me with an offer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we speak about it. Um, so you say on your website you're you're very open for um, illustrators to reach out and and contact you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I mean, I, I did say that, and sometimes I do find it odd getting back. I do get emails, and then I, I said all of that, and. I actually struggle to get back sometimes. Not that I get like bombarded with it, but I'm just really unorganised, as you probably know. <laughs> so, um, what what kind of things are they contacting you with? What are their like main problems well, that they're facing? I kind of want, I want to communicate what helped me, and I think the information that I knew when I was just at that stage of you know like just graduating, got the first couple of jobs. Um, I always try and say if people do get in touch, I say the same thing all the time, but I find it's the most like helpful thing, mm-hmm. and that's to just draw as much as possible and allow yourself to develop. I think that's like the key things, really. Don't hide away in a cave. And um, get in contact with people from the industry. Don't be shy about it, because a lot of people are open, as long as you're not too aggressive and weird, like I was. <laughs> and would you say that's the best piece of advice you've ever ever gotten? Is yeah, don't, yeah, don't definitely. Be in a yeah, cave. I think it gives you a lot more confidence. And before, it was all really vague. Like Everything was just like... Even when I was in my final year, I was just like, what now? It's like, the way I describe it, it's like you're in, like, in your mind, it's just like really misty. And you get like a little glimpse of like a doorway and then it gets all the mist kind of covers it up again. And you're like, I don't know what I'm trying to think about. I don't know the next step. I totally relate to that. I think that's exactly how it is because nothing's clear. alleyways, right? And you don't know where you're going with it. Yeah. You know there's something out there, but you're not sure how to get to it. And you're not even sure how to think about it properly because you don't know what it is fully yet. You know, you, you don't have the confidence in understanding it yet as well. Yeah. So I think that like distilling that down into draw more... Or, or whatever your craft is, yeah. do do your craft more. And you'll gain confidence in yourself anyway as you do that. And then, yeah, and also putting it out there, which will kind of, you might get negative feedback, but you're going to, I think you're going to toughen up to it and you're going to, your confidence is going to grow with that as well. And then contact people. Yeah. It's really key. Yeah. No, that's fucking gold. Um, where can people find you online? On Instagram is at Alex Gamsu Jenkins and my website is www.alexgamsujenkins.com. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for listening. We're trying to help a lot of people with this show, so we need your help to grow the community and spread our message. If you know someone who'd benefit from hearing what we talked about today, or they just need a little nudge in the right direction, pass this podcast on to them. If you want to hear more, then subscribe to us on iTunes. And if we helped you with anything, we'll really love you forever if you can leave us an iTunes review. It makes a huge difference. See ya.